You know, maybe we should continue with a conversation about the dark side of social media. Anyone? Narcissism? That shallowness. Sociopathy? I object! Yeah, you're singling us out. People have died. People who can't be replaced. I have just about had it with the both of you. Feeding off misery like parasites. You should both be ashamed. Parasitic. Welcome to Queer Horror Cult, going strong in 2020, with some very uh, timely and contemporary film analysis this week. <laughs> oh yeah, for those of us who are extremely online. Yeah. Oh boy, that internet. <laughs> how about them internets, eh? <laughs> Hello fellow teens, how about, how about online? Yeah, I work with the podcast Queer Horror Cult from online. We don't really have much of a social media presence, do we? It's not huge, no. We, no. Like, it's like... Post on Instagram, like, once a week. Post on Twitter, like, once a month. Yep. Post on Facebook, like, never. Never, yep. Yeah. So when we say we're perpetually online, we don't mean our podcast is perpetually online. <laughs> I mean, it could be because we get the notifications instantaneously and we have no sense of boundaries. That's when it true. comes to not being immediately accessible. Yes, that is kinds of things. That is true. That is true. But there has been some great horror movies and weirdo cult films that have come out to do with being perpetually online, and uh, that's what we're talking about this week. Mm -hmm. This week was surprising for the stuff we watched. Like I think for more than one title, it was not what I was expecting. Mm -hmm. That's for sure. I mean, I guess I didn't know what I was expecting for probably the same ones. Mm -hmm. There was one that I was like. I don't know if I'd say pleasantly surprised because I, I think just because simply because I didn't know what I was expecting. Right. And then the other one, I was like pretty disappointed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so it runs the gamut this yeah, week. Yeah, it does. Uh, so I guess let's just start with the first one we checked out. Um, we watched Assassination Nation from 2018, and uh, what sold me on it was the poll quote that said <laughs> it's uh, the Purge meets Mean Girls. Totally. And it's yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. It yeah. is that. This movie was a lot of fucking fun. It is so good. I, Yeah, this is the one that pleasantly surprised yeah. me. Where, not that I was expecting it to be bad, because with The Purge Meets Mean Girls, it's like, well, it has to be good. Because yeah. if it isn't, it's going to be the most disappointing thing in the world. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Right off the bat, this was cool for the queer representation yes, going on. Absolutely. Uh, it shows how simple it can be to have a trans character in a movie without it revolving around your cliche trans story point, mm -hmm. but also without it being so stripped away that it's like, what's the point in even doing this? Because like it was relevant to the plot and the transness of the character wasn't nothing, mm -hmm. but it was not in a way I've ever seen a movie. Like, you know, like, oh, the 
she's a normal person. Right, and she what has, she, like, and her friends just, just like, hey, she's one of the girls. Yeah. Like, we love you. Yeah, like, and it's like, that's the reality yeah. of it for a lot of uh, trans people that have a strong social circle exactly. that you never see depicted in movies. Mm-hmm. And so that was really cool. Yeah, and it was nice seeing, like, how you said where it's it's not, like, the, like, tragic trans character, but then at the same time it's not... Like, she can't, therefore, it has to be perfect. It can't have anything bad happen to her. Yeah, it's not blind to what it is to be mm-hmm. trans in society. But I felt like, at times, some aspects of it were pretty utopic. Yeah. Like, I mean, even when shitty things were happening because of her trans status, she still wasn't being misgendered. Right? And that yeah. Was wild. They're, they're that was st- unexpected. Totally, yeah. <laughs> That's probably where my suspension of disbelief kind of spikes up a bit. That's but, fair. But, you know, like, that's real life. In media, being able to have a vacation from that kind of general bullshit is yeah, nice. totally. While still not be, it being so overly utopic that you're like, well, I have to suspend all yeah. of my disbelief in my entire body because this can't ever happen. Yeah. And uh, as you mentioned with it not being perfect, uh, she's not a perfect human being Hell either. No. Like She's just as shitty and shady as everyone else. <laughs> she says, uh, she drops the F slur at some point in the funniest, funniest way in the whole possible. Movie. Prefaces um, it with a trigger warning. Like, yeah. it's, this whole movie is prefaced with a trigger warning, which was that pretty was interesting. That was fun too, because I've thought about playing with that yeah. in, in my own scripts. Is it's like, if, if we're making a movie that features sexual assault, I feel like a heads up is probably important. And, you know, that's not some snowflakey new... No. thing like go ahead and fucking watch necromantic it opens with a trigger warning kind of thing from <laughs> 1987 real. like yeah. yeah the way they did this was really brashing in your face and it was kind of tongue-in-cheek too where it's just like trigger warning then it shows you in fast montage everything that's going to trigger you according to the movie and it's like <laughs> everything that could yeah <laughs> yes no they're very thorough at that mm-hmm. it's like hey if you're gonna do it might as well be yeah and this movie was so fucking stylish. Yes. In a way where, like, it reminded me of sort of late 90s cinema, where it was just, like, really harking in on that uh, style kind of thing, but not in a way that felt too obtrusive. Like, we'll see mm-hmm. how it dates it, because... Um, That's fair, yeah. When I look at those movies that were just, like, head style to burn from the 90s, it's they look like 90s movies now kind yeah. of thing. Like, when you see the sort of, like, post-Tarantino kind of flicks that were coming out once Pulp Fiction blew up big, Mm. and you start getting the meta-narratives and all that stuff. Right. It's very late 90s now, but at the time, it was pretty cutting edge. Absolutely. So it'll be interesting to see how this one plays, like, Like 10 10 years years from now. Yeah. Next decade. Because I loved the uh, constantly moving camera and Mm -hmm. and weird uh, cinematography. Oh, yeah. The color stuff. It was was great to watch. It was really pleasing to see. As for plot, you know, just so we're not just sitting here rehashing the plot, just a little quick uh, rundown of what it is, is you have these, it's a circle of friends, these four uh, girls, women, they're, they're high school they're high age, schoolers, yeah, yeah. that are perpetually online, like they're always on their phone doing Yeah, they're very stereotypical, kind of like, zillennial, zoomer yeah, absolutely. Kind of thing where it's like, put your damn phones away, kids. Yeah, and the main character is having like a weird, like, daddy sugar baby relationship with a mysterious person. I don't know if there's any sugar there. I think it might, she might just be. It, it might, might be a self validation thing. It might be a splendid daddy situation. Splendid daddy, yeah, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> 
Because he doesn't appear to be, yeah, exactly. Like, it's more, like, validation and, like, weird, like, sex. So it doesn't seem to actually be, like, he's, like, showering yeah. her with gifts or anything other than his praise and validation. Yeah, fair enough. Um, that is a good point. But she has that relationship going on. And, but, like, you know, he's, he is literally in her contacts as daddy. Yeah. So that's and where you're getting that from. refers to her as that. She refers to him as that. That would be really odd. That yeah. would be that would be even further queering if he was just like, "Hey, daddy." <laughs> <laughs> I, w- I wouldn't hate a movie that took that tact. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, someone starts hacking people's clouds and their online data and all that kind of stuff, and just spilling it for the world to see. So, like, it starts with the mayor, yeah. and they find out that the mayor loves cross dressing and, and being in a gay relationship. And this is a this is a homophobic as fuck politician. Yeah, homophobic as fuck politician. And then, um, like, his response is to blow his brains out, like. They, While giving a speech, they, being they straight booed. up do it exactly like they're clearly riffing on the case of Bud Dwyer, that right. politician who shot himself. Because I mean, this guy even says, "I don't want to hurt you. I'm not. I don't uh, want to hurt anyone." Which was what I believe the guy's last words were. Okay, so it was like a hundred percent riffing on that. Right. Um, but then, of course, immediately the video of him killing himself is just taken up with those people being like, "That looks fake," or like "LOL owned" and stuff like yeah. that. And it just shows the coldness of the online thing. Yeah, this crass detachment. Until it happens to everyone else. There's a major breach and so many people in the small town of Salem get their dirty laundry aired Mm -hmm. and it immediately turns into full-blown everyone's wearing purge masks to hide their identity in the day-to-day and they're trying to vigilante out who did the leak. Yeah, and then so this is where you get the like, yeah, purge meets mean girls with mean girls that specifically more I think means like the whole burn book thing when that gets publicized and everyone starts going ape shit on each other. Yeah, because that's one of the early ones is uh they find this one person's nudes were leaked, and then because the data's leaked, the text messages of who leaked them is revealed. So mm-hmm. the person whose nudes were leaked and like, you know, like was being ruined for that yeah. is able to find out who did it because right. their dirty laundry was aired yeah. and they go like, and, like mean girl style in. and bash her head in like with yeah. a baseball bat. Yeah, this movie doesn't really pull many punches either when it comes to the brutality <laughs> no, of it. Like, it's, it's not super excessive in your face, but it's also not nothing either. Yeah, I think it's pretty selective in its use of it. And when yeah. it uses it, it goes all out, but it's not like gratuitously like every other... You know, it's not a splatter flick by any means. Yeah, for sure. But it's also not like yeah, it doesn't it does like you said, it doesn't pull any punches. It's it doesn't hold back when it opts to have something like that happen. And I feel like the title kind of really harkens to um America in mm-hmm. a way, you know, like Assassination Nation, because I mean the circle of girls who are all being targeted because they're being accused of being the the hacker, the hacker. They go into this house of someone who's part of the militia that's searching for them, and just find an American flag laid out covered in guns. Yeah, and it's just like that's how they arm themselves. Mm-hmm. And we have the idea of these high schoolers with guns fighting other high schoolers and like you know shooting them up and all and that stuff. adult men. So there's including all cops. The, yeah, for sure. But like, there's all these little things of like gun violence that come up in American culture, like school shootings. Mm-hmm. Although the shooting parts don't take place in the school, you know, like this is such a high school movie it that is. it's not that it's removed. It, yeah. And then of course cops. Like you got the cop who's bearing down on someone with a gun and says, "You can't shoot a cop. It's illegal," or something <laughs> like that. Yeah, as he's going like as he's about to shoot someone like misinformed attempted vigilante justice yeah and so you got the cop violence there too 
Um, of course, there's the perpetually online stuff. Like, you hear stories of people that, because of an online spat, they go and seek violence in the real world, mm-hmm. uh, showing how interconnected they are. Because everyone's just like, it's just online. It's, you know, it's separate. Not it's not real. And it's like, well, clearly... It Until has, they've radicalized yeah. someone so much and emboldened him so much, he goes and he crashes an airplane or shoots up a mosque or shoots yeah, up his exactly. school and then gets, like turn into this, like, hero- heroic icon martyr if he dies. Like, yeah. yeah, just, it's fucking bleak, man. Yeah, it is. The blackpilling, as they like to call it, or mm-hmm. get, getting blackpilled. Yeah. But this movie really, like, hits on that kind of, like, they. I think they reference 4chan directly. Oh, know? they straight up got yeah. the, they put, they, like, post the link, the, right. like, link to 4chan, yeah. So this one really hits on the sort of contemporary, like, this is what that kind of gross onlineness can lead to in a very fantastical movie kind the of The internet way. hate machine. But it's, um, like, the dialogue in the flippant, uh, I don't want to spoil the best bit of dialogue oh that just, like, straight up is the thesis of this fucking movie. Yes. But it's one of those things where the flippancy and the disconnect between real people being harmed and... Well, because Online giving a shit about anything trolling. is yeah. fucking uncool, and it's for normies who fucking suck, and, like, yeah, that that permanent detachment from anything human or caring what is virtuous. Biggest beefs ever is nihilism. Like, I'm, I'm... Nihilism is virtue? Yeah, yeah, nihilism is a virtue, but also nihilism being taken up as, like, the the guiding principle of edgelords yeah kind of thing because i think there's a lot of interesting stuff in nihilistic Absolutely. theoretical philosophy but, but not when, the stuff that's like i'm i'm miserable and i have no life so i'm gonna go and like ruin as many people's lives as possible yeah like that's not nihilism like keep point. it internalized that's, that's you just fucking asshole misanthropy yeah exactly it's fucking grimdark edgelord bullshit mm-hmm. and uh like that you see that attitude so much in the people that are that are doing things in exactly, and in real life. Um, as for for queer content in this movie, to go back to that, there is a lot of homophobic discourse in this, yep. and some of it does play into the inclusion of a trans character, mm-hmm. um, where uh, you know the trans woman who's heterosexual or presumably heterosexual. I guess they don't make claims as to bisexuality or not in this. Sure, but uh, is in a heterosexual liaison with someone who then is just like, can't tell anyone about this, right? Yeah, yeah, footballer. Um, And, of course, as soon as it's uncovered, you know, it's just like, everyone's just like, oh, he's gay, he's a homo, we have to, like, you know. Beat some sense into him and, like... Well, they don't just beat sense into him, they target her. Yeah. Because it's just, like, the only way to recoup his masculinity is to take it out and kill her. Exactly. Kind of thing. And that mirrors transphobic violence... Which is still legal in so many places. Like, I just, this past week, saw a trans panic article come up yet again. Someone who's just, like, I think it was in Vancouver, murdered a a trans person. And was like, oh, I freaked out when I found out they were trans. And, like, that's an excusable defense for them. That's totally understandable. Like, Like, the defense put that up as a defense. And, you know what, that, to me, that just sounds like admission of guilt. Yeah. Not defense no it's just like oh yeah yeah i fucking did it like but it's supposed to be seen as you're supposed to be able to like sympathize with it and be like well of course like who in their right mind wouldn't Mm -hmm. and there's so many people who would absolutely take that position 
Yeah. And that is the position of some of the antagonists in this movie. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, like, that's another front where I feel like going into the homophobic and transphobic aspect isn't... Because I say homophobic, like, you know, it's only homophobic if you're already being transphobic mm-hmm. kind of thing. But, you know, they go yes. from the minds of uh, the antagonists. They are already so transphobic that they only look at this as uh, a gay... Liaison. Yeah, and yeah. therefore it's homophobia too. Mm-hmm. Even though you know someone who's actually like, well, no, she's a woman. Yeah, wouldn't it? It's therefore not gay, right? Yeah. But the movie it actually collapses the two in a way that I think mirrors it's society so fucking much. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't feel crass. Like it doesn't nope. feel like it's just doing it to a say like, well, that's life, or to to just be edgy. Like mm-hmm. it's you know a part of the plot, and it works as such like it definitely works mm-hmm. um but then there's also the homophobia of the mayor kind of stuff and the transphobia there because uh he's cross-dressing and mm-hmm. all that stuff they drop the t-slur on him constantly yeah kind of thing and um he basically kills himself over it yeah so it's one of those like what the fuck? You and then they even they even have that conversation of like, oh well, you know, I wouldn't wish that on anyone. And then the trans character being like, well, he, you know, like, okay, sure, I'm not like happy about this, but I'm sure not losing any sleep over it. Yeah. Like, he made his fucking bed, he got to lay in it, and if mm. that's what happens, then maybe he should have thought about living his life a different way. Yeah. And not being so openly antagonistic to people like himself. And, and I can I could definitely find myself agreeing with a lot of uh, her point yeah, in this thing. Absolutely. Because it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, I'm not going to wish bad on anyone. Yeah. Like, you know, if someone is harmed or dies, even if it's because they're a disgusting piece of shit, I'm not going to be, like, reveling in the harm. But at the same time, you know, it, it is one of those things where it's like, that whole logic notion of, uh, like, oh, be the bigger person <laughs> kind of thing, like... That's just kind of letting shitty people off the hook. It is. It's a whole, like, civility trolling. They are never expected to be the bigger person, yet we are demonized if we're not the bigger person. Exactly. And that is fucked up. Yeah, I know the absence of mourning or sympathy or whatever does not mean automatically the presence of glee Mm -hmm. or happiness, but it's also, like, I'm not going to waste any energy. Yeah. On that fucker. Like, what you know, sucks for his family, sure. Mm -hmm. But... Yeah, no, the whole, like, don't speak ill of the dead is like, well, if you don't want to be spoken of illy, don't be a piece of shit while you're alive. Yeah, that is something where it's like, don't speak of the ill of the dead, but it's like, I'm literally stating facts of what they did. Exactly. So if it's speaking ill, it's because what they did was ill. Yeah, then they should have considered that while they were alive. Yeah, for sure. Uh, the social media aspect of this, how much did this ring true for you? Because you'd mentioned, like, they're very sort of, like, stereotypical Zoomer kind of thing. <laughs> I'm not a Zoomer. <laughs> no, I said they are. I know, um, that, but I'm not. So no, when you ask how not. much it rings true for me. But I mean with what you yeah. see out there. Right, right. Um, I mean, you definitely have a sister who is a Zillennial. Is a zillennial, self-identified Zillennial, yes. Mm-hmm. I guess she got her consulting on this. Um, Like, I don't know, that's one thing that I, like, every time I see stuff like this, I'm just like, oh my god, I'm so glad that... Well, I mean, this this year will be 10 years since I've graduated high school. And I'm just so glad that I just narrowly missed the, like, Snapchat and, like, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Because, yeah, no, it's just, it's 
terrifying. (laughs) The, not only, um, this, like, this pressure was like, oh, everybody takes nudes. It's like, no, no, we don't. (laughs) No, we don't. (laughs) But, I mean, if you do, cool, but I, that's fine. Yeah, don't get me wrong. That's not us saying, like, therefore, if you take nudes, it's your fault. Therefore, I'm better or virtuous. Like, fuck that. No, but it's more, it's, it's, like, scary that it's like, oh, yeah, it's, like, saved in a cloud somewhere, and if something were to happen to it, like... There's no recourse, mm-hmm. and even if everybody else is doing it, they're still going to be, like, massively hypocritical, be like, oh, wow, look at this, like, this person who is too stupid to, like, keep, keep their nudes safe like yeah. I do with mine. Like, it's still, the, yeah, it's it's that whole, like, you know, throwing stones from glass houses thing. Well, it's, like, the very disgusting concept of revenge porn, as yeah. it's called. Yeah, yeah. Wouldn't exist without this infrastructure, at least not as it exactly. exists today. But at the same time... It's excused because it, you know, like, well, people... if you didn't want those released, exactly. you shouldn't have taken those photos. And it's like, well, they aren't always taken with consent, but, <laughs> or videos or whatnot. And even if they are, the consent was for it to be taken, not for it to be posted exactly. online with your name and home address. Exactly. But then it just turns, it just all goes back to like, oh, well, because, you know, if you keep following the argument, oh, well, then you shouldn't have had sex with this person. Oh, you shouldn't have sex. Oh, you shouldn't, like, it, oh, you should stay yeah. inside your home all day and never be in public. Join the convent already. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like, um, isn't that what happens to the main character in this? Is that her uh, salacious pictures get shown all over and her name and her address get attached to it? Because yeah, once they identify her. her. And it's one of those things where it's basically... It is the essentially the revenge porn structure mm-hmm. to try and like get people to go vigilante. Exactly, and that's one of the things I um that I thought was kind of clever with this movie was they said it in Salem, and there's more than one Salem in the yes. United States. But the essentially what happens in this movie is a giant witch hunt. Yep. yep. So it could be Salem, Oregon, but even so, it calls back to that, and it yeah. is the scapegoating of you know a very contemporary like teen femininity that this perpetually online and also the nude pictures and the flirting Mm -hmm. and you know all these things that it's like i mean the first thing people are doing is like oh look it's like the slut of salem hey whore i was just gonna say like it goes into almost a scarlet letter kind of thing immediately where they're just like oh why are you upset that we're catcalling you and harassing you you put the pictures out there so therefore yeah it's like, no, she sent them to... And, okay, the thing that killed me was when her own parents, mm-hmm. once they confirm that the photos are of her, because she's very, you know, cropping her face, like, you can't actually see yeah. for sure. Um, and she says, like, yes, it was. They fucking kick her out of the house. Like, yeah. if that was my kid, I would be marching over to the neighbors and, like, fucking ringing the dude up by... Hanging by his balls, asking what fucking business he had fucking around with my teenager when he's a yeah. grown-ass adult Absolutely. man who is supposed to know better. Do they know who it is at this point? Because I don't know if the identity... No, no. I'm yeah, pretty sure they do, because they're like, how totally could you do does. that? He has kids. He's yeah, a wife. Absolutely. And so, it's like, yeah. how could he do that? He's the yeah. adult in this situation. It's his responsibility to say no. Because, no, yeah, teenagers was, was, experiment uh, with heartbreaking shit. heartbreaking when they're just, like, I dragging know, I out of the house. I know. I couldn't I was like, yeah. you should not be allowed to have kids. Like, yeah. holy shit. No, it just, it just threw me back to, like, um, I don't know, like, earlier this year when um, the, like, R. Kelly expose came right. out and all of that stuff. And, yeah, just how much of it goes to, like, oh, well, these girls, like, they knew what they were doing. They should know better. It's, like, they are literal children. Yes, absolutely. It's the adults who should know better. 
you know, teenagers and kids and stuff, they experiment, they pe- they push boundaries, they test stuff out. And as they're doing that, it's the adult in the relationship who has the responsibility to say no and put up that boundary and say like, yeah. no, this is inappropriate. We're not doing this. And when kids do cross boundaries that they probably shouldn't be crossing or like, like you said, mm-hmm. that they push boundaries, it's the parents' jobs to make sure that they stay, they're safe. They stay safe. Yeah, you exactly. Know, like, it's one of those things where it's like, you may not like it. You may be upset about what happened, but... But you're the fucking parent in the relationship. Like, it's yeah. you're supposed to love this kid unconditionally and want what's best for them. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that means harm reduction. Yep. Not fucking kicking them out on their ass because some merry man seduced them. It, may- and, it makes like, me think of something that I've heard from, like, parents and stuff when I was a teen growing up. Where mm-hmm. And, you know, like, I could see taking this tact, uh, too. But, like, you know, when it's, like, 16, 17-year-old kids, it's like, all right, fine. You want some beer? You can have a beer, drink it in the basement here, hang out here. Don't go trying right. to score alcohol off of like random strangers yeah. and like trying to break into dive bars at night kind of thing. Exactly. It's one of those things where it's just like, yeah, I don't want to encourage any kind of binge drinking or mm-hmm. alcoholism or anything like that. But I would rather if, it, you know, teens are teens, if they're going to experiment with that stuff, do it safely. Exactly. Or I even had um, one of my cousins in Europe, I uh, remember my mom was like, my mom and I think my nona were both kind of shocked when they found out that I think she was in high school and like her boyfriend would sleep over and like yeah. sleep in her bed with her kind of thing. And they're just like, I, I can't believe that. Like, that just seems like such like, that seems so like, Oh my God. And I'm like, well, think about it this way. If she's that, if they're the family's that open about it, then they're probably also super open about birth control, about yeah. safe sex, about all these things that wouldn't be there if she was having to sneak around in somebody's car. Absolutely, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, because, you know, if, if you're trying to deny that it's even happening, then you're not, then you're probably not going to be talking about, like, mm-hmm. you know, prevention and, and, like, safer options. It's just going to be like, oh, this isn't happening, therefore nothing bad can happen. And when it yeah. does happen, you're like, oh, fuck. Mm-hmm. So there's something to be said. Like, yeah, I'd, I'd probably be kind of uncomfortable, but it's yeah, like, absolutely. Yeah. well, <laughs> I'd be way more uncomfortable if my kid ended up like fucking you know pregnant in a completely preventable way yeah. or roofied at a party it, yeah or idea. like with you know god forbid an sti that isn't curable or yeah. so, you know what i mean like yeah just like these really permanent consequences for something that they can be so preventable yeah absolutely not always and not to blame anyone who doesn't have access to the prevention or is in a situation where they just like can't or anything but that's why support and all these things are so good Thanks once again for tuning into DadCast, where two low fam dads talk about parenting. Yep. <laughs> and how to parent. Yeah, two, two low fam, two, two dads without without kids yeah. tell you how to parent. <laughs> I thought this was a fantastic movie. I, I loved I'm it. I'm sad that I slept on it when it was right? in theaters. Yeah. It felt like it kind of flew under the radar a little mm-hmm. bit. And then I heard people say how like it didn't get its just shake kind of thing. Like I could see that. You know, maybe it's just by circumstance of being in Canada. Maybe it had less fanfare here. I don't know. Possibly. Um, but, like, yeah, I totally slept on this one. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it was a such a pleasant surprise uh, when we got around to watching the Blu-ray of that. Mm-hmm. That was so I much fun. I definitely recommend it to anyone who yeah. enjoys, you know, just that really witty humor that yes. um, isn't... If, if you're one of those sort of like, ah, kids today kind of people, like, you're probably going to be annoyed by this movie, but <laughs> you're probably also going to be annoyed by our podcast, so, yeah, you know. it's true. It's one of those things where it's like, I, I heartily recommend this one. It was a oh, lot yeah, of fun. Oh, yeah, me too. Absolutely. 
Next up, we had another movie that we did not know what we were getting in for. Mm-hmm. Um, we watched 2017's Like Me. Mm-hmm. This was one that I had heard the name brought up uh, around the time Tragedy Girls was blowing up. Right. Uh, same year and all that, but yeah. also because it's like similarly features social media popularity by way of sociopathy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, this was not at all what I was expecting out of this movie. No, this is, yeah, that whole, like, terminally online. Yeah. And just, yeah, not even the extremely online, but terminally online. And, yeah, sociopathy and just, like, ugh. Yeah, okay, so where, where with Assassination Nation, I'm actually, like, empathetic, sympathetic, whatever, to some of the characters and stuff. It's, like... Oh, yeah, you know, they're, like, dang kids, but they're kids. Like, yeah. whatever. This one, I was just, like, from the get-go, I was like, wow, I hate her. Yeah. I really hate her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, she fucking sucks. Mm-hmm. And me, I, that was probably the point. Yeah. But, yeah, it, it it made the stakes in this movie seem very low, and there was very so little the, investment up front. you felt that kind front. of, like, dampered um, enjoyment of the movie. Yeah, because... Yeah, you compare it to Tragedy Girls, for instance. Because those characters were very charismatic. They were, and they're they're one of those, like, you... They're almost, like, they're villainous, but in that, like, love-to-hate kind of way, where, like, you can't help but cheer for them. Because they're far more awful people in, like, an objective sense than the person in Like Me. Like, if you look at what they're doing, it's like, yeah, you're you're literal serial killers kind of thing. Right. Whereas that's not what we get in Like Me. No. But I I totally see what you mean, like... uh, Like, I'm I'm rooting for them in Tragedy Girls, even against my better interests. In like a the same way you cheer for like Hannibal Lecter or yeah exactly you, you know what I mean like that whole like oh well that sort of conclusion we came to at the end where it's like well you know it's, it's he's not he's not a good person obviously but the world is a much more interesting place with him in it yeah absolutely yeah. same thing with Michaela and uh, what's her face right whereas with Kaya yeah. Fuck no. Yeah, no, I felt it was a lot harder to find her likable. I will say that I didn't find her as completely unlikable as maybe you did. And I'm not <laughs> I'm not trying to call you out on this one, but I felt like the way they played with mental illness in this was probably where uh. my empathy was kind of spiking a little harder on this. Okay, go on. Because um, there's clearly something going on because of the way that she perpetually needs this online validation to feel seen and needed mm-hmm. and it's almost like the gross actions she's doing don't like, their grossness is washed away by the validation that yeah that, that like, does doesn't that. register and that makes me think of like diagnosis of bpd and stuff uh, like that okay. where it's just like yeah people that suffer that are considered manipulative and mm-hmm. stuff like that in certain regards but it's one of those things where it's like there are these there's reasons behind their action it's like this emotive drive that forces them into doing mm-hmm. it and so i really sort of got that vibe from her like mm-hmm. i don't think it lets her off the hook for any sure. of the gross things she does yeah and she is a pretty unlikable character in a lot of ways mm-hmm. but i felt that there was a bit of a dynamic there that kind of kept my interest a little okay more. um you didn't like this movie very much is the vibe <laughs> i got from you how could you tell yeah yeah um for a rare occurrence on this show i'm gonna disagree with you cool. um i know normally we seem to align pretty mm-hmm. pretty closely i think this movie got a lot wrong and there's a lot <laughs> to dislike about it yeah but I really appreciated how they 
just kind of said fuck it to convention at times and they really looked at in a way style over substance but like i find that can be a hollow but it's one mm-hmm. of those things where they really went cinematic with it where like yeah. there's a lot of things that happen that they're not literal they're more figurative and there's a lot of way like beautiful shots and stuff like mm-hmm. that that i really liked it felt refreshing to see a movie that's like wasn't so concerned with grounding everything in reality that's fair yeah um, that's one thing i did like about it yeah, i well, felt like at times the, the, the problem for me was that there was a very linear, grounded plot buried mm-hmm. in there that didn't have full realization for yeah. me. And that's where I think I was kind of split on this one. Because, like, there were so many scenes where it's it was more like, I see what you're going for, as opposed to, this works, kind of thing. Yeah. Like, I'm thinking of the end shots, where it was just, like, this long, minute-long shot. And it's like, okay, I get you're trying to do, like, an emotive thing where... We're supposed to respond and resonate with the characters, like, <laughs> break, th- break down, break through, whatever you want to call it here. But instead, it just feels like you're doing this long shot because you want to end poignantly. Yeah, and it's like, okay, now what? Like, good riddance. Yeah, so it was one of those things where I didn't. I don't think it always worked, but I definitely give them kudos for trying. I, I will say, yeah, there was some experimental stuff in there that I'm like... Wasn't for me, but yeah. good for you for giving it a shot. And I will give this movie so many props for great set design. Mm-hmm. Whoever did the, yes, um, true, the set design like and, the, hotel and, and stuff. the property master and all that kind of stuff, like the hotel, yeah. when they're in that sort of like pink house with the garish uh, carpets and all right. that stuff, like this movie definitely had a good color palette and style where everything was yes. its own sort of like the house that was all pink with all the stuff. Yeah, Reminding me all... of that short pink trailer. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> Or the hotel with the very impressionistic paintings. Mm-hmm. Um, when they're on the beach and you've got, like, the the pyramid of TVs and all that stuff. And it's just sort of this shifting neon color just, like, against the sky, the starry backdrop. Like, mm-hmm. I think they did a good job there. Um, the problem was I wish that they did more with what they had happening there. So it wasn't just, like, that is a cool set piece. But this conversation has gone on for 10 minutes too long and nothing's really happened. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Like, that's where I definitely think I agree with you yeah. on uh, where it doesn't work. Um, one thing we mentioned uh, last time, because we had mentioned watching uh, Innkeepers, <laughs> I believe, uh, was there was a very pleasant surprise when your boy Larry just shows up. Just walks in and is like, hey. And it was like, just like, ah, Mr. Fessenden, we've got a seat for you right here. Yeah, your favorite seat. Yeah, keeping it warm for you, bud. And some truly revolting stuff happens with his character. Yeah. Like, what is with all the food stuff? There is so (sighs) much disgusting eating in this movie, and that is, like, a huge... Uh, watch out, snowflake warning here. That is a huge trigger point for me. Like, people oh, no, I know. Eating it's, a hard, it's a sore just... spot for you. Oh it, my God. It's not just great the for sound me. Either. Of it is bad, but having to visually see it. With, is shot with the like a macro lens and everything. Ever. Yeah. But it was almost like so much that it felt like watching a splatter film of food. And so, like. <laughs> a splasher film? Yeah, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you're into sploshing, check this out. If you're into. Vor. What's it, what, yeah, Vor. What's the one called where you just keep eating? That's not Vor, but it, there's another. It's like. Oh, God, there's, like, that YouTube thing where yeah, it's just, yeah, like, yeah. videos of people eating. I believe, like, it was big in Korea and all that yeah. stuff. I do not remember the name of it, but it's one of those things where it's just, like, food ASMR, and that just sounds like the worst thing ever to me. <laughs> like, that is not not to, like, you know, yuck anyone's yums or anything like that, but that is I don't fucking care. I'm going to yuck that yum. It's disgusting. <laughs> and, like, objectively uh, so. And that's probably why you like it, and that's fine. But yeah. don't pretend it's not. <laughs> yeah, it's something. 
else, that is for sure. Uh, this one, what did you say about this movie? Like, the visual style of the opening titles where we had all those sort of, like, jittering, almost gifts. Like, the movie looked like someone's Tumblr page. And oh, yeah, I thought I was having Tumblr. fucking flashbacks to, like, 2014 Tumblr yeah. girls. Yeah, what did you say? You said it's just, like, was this movie made as a boomerang by an e-girl? <laughs> and it's like, yep, must have been. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think that, yeah, that sounds like something I would have said. Yeah. <laughs> now it's just like, real Felice Fawn fans hour, whomst is up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah, this was, um, I think if you go into this knowing to expect that the story is sort of pushed to the background. Sort like, of meh. Like, there is a story there, it's just that it's fairly straightforward, which is fine. Yeah. But it's kind of pushed to the background in this way that's sort of, like, just to drive interconnected set pieces, basically. And I felt like the set pieces were a little too film school for me at times. They (laughs) have these, like, deep conversations that sometimes when they worked, it's like, that was an interesting conversation. And then when they didn't work, it was like, it just sounds like two philosophy students, like, sitting at the Tim Hortons, like, bitching over coffee. And Mm -hmm. it's not something that I really want to pay my money to see, you know? Especially... Sorry. Sitting at the BFA cafe. Yeah. <laughs> I was just going to say, um, especially off the beginning, like the way they set it up, they set up this movie and it is the plot of the film where it's just like someone trying to get likes mm-hmm. by posting extreme content and like upping the ante. Like that is the plot of the movie. Mm-hmm. But it sets it up in a way where it's like you feel like, okay, this is the movie I'm in for. And then it just kind of tapers out. It doesn't really do much with it. Kinda, it kind of almost like bait and switches. Yeah, it um, gets to the ending I was hoping it was going to get to, (laughs) but it's one of those things where it's just, like, it felt like you could have had this be, like, the big act break for, like, act one to act two kind of thing, as opposed to the finale. Um, Yeah, it's like, I got the ending that I, I I got the outcome that I wanted, but it was like, oh, that was completely unfulfilling. Yeah. Oh, and God, there's... Okay, so she's posting stuff online, and there's... She's getting all these reactions on YouTube and stuff. Maybe that's that's one of the reasons I, like, hate the character so much, is that I fucking hate YouTubers. Yeah, this is... Yeah, very (laughs) YouTube-y. It's it's, extremely YouTube, and I fucking hate it. But there is one piece of criticism she gets from this dude who just, like, basically tells her to slit her wrist and says all this, like, vile shit about her and all that mm-hmm. stuff. And I just got such Elliot Roger manifesto vibes. Oh, yeah. No, they it. cast this guy so well. You were saying, yeah. like, with what what is it with indie horror in the last, Indie like, horror in the last years? decade has been so great for casting, because how many times have we put something on, and then the guy that we know we're supposed to hate... You just look at him, you're like, I want to punch that dude's face. And then he says something, and you're like, and then I'll get his voice box, too, while I'm at it. Right? Like, he's perfect. I'm not a violent person, but this guy was douche central. Oh, my God, no. He was like, he was like a manosphere vlogger. Like, he, and he nailed it. But Yeah. yeah, I was just like, I hate him so much. Yeah, yeah, I was definitely on board with that. Probably even more than like the YouTubers who just scream. Yeah, and which we saw a lot of with the reply videos yeah, and stuff like that. Yeah, but the uh, social media in this one, mm-hmm. it was sort of like the whole like trying to get popularity mm-hmm. through social media and sort of basing your worth. Yeah, on that, it was um, like I'm not that perpetually online. At least if I am, I just lurk at stuff. I'm not a content person yeah, online. No, um, I barely post. <laughs> but it's one of those things where it's just like I. 
especially with the, paired with the movie we watched after this one, I feel like there's something to be said about how much of self-validation comes through online content. I feel like that's mm-hmm. almost a dead horse at this point being <laughs> me like, you must like my post, you have to like me, and all that stuff like yeah. the title harkens to. But there, I think maybe it's a bit of a dead horse because it just sort of mirrors something that's out there mm-hmm. kind of thing. Like, you know, you hear people talk about getting ratioed and stuff like that. <laughs> and it feels like that that would be a very important thing to pay attention to for this character. Oh, God, yeah. You know what? That's one of the other things that I think really stood out for me at the beginning that I made me really not like this person was when she is out in public and she's just, like, sticking her ca- her phone in people's faces, filming yeah. them without their consent. Like, that's just, like, that's so intrusive and just so fucking disrespectful. Her sense of boundaries are terrible. Are non-existent. Yeah, it's awful. And yeah. she's a fucking dick about it. Yeah, don't get me wrong. At no point do I say... Well, oh, yeah, I know. You're not, like, you know, you'd be character. like, oh, well, you know, there must be... Yeah, doing the whole, like, oh, there's mental illness here, so therefore I she's feel not like culpable that, that for anything. That makes more of, like, an interesting dynamic of yes. the character than it excuses her behavior. Exactly, and that's big difference. I'll say this as someone who has dealt with mental illness. When you're mentally Same. ill, you are still culpable for what you do. Yeah, like, you're still responsible. Yeah. Whether or not... And that's the difference also between, like, fault and responsibility as well. Like, it's not your fault you're mentally ill, but it's your responsibility to, like, manage that and seek support and, like, all these things that are are often done, like, in the context of reaching out to other people yeah. and getting support from other people when needed, whether that's friends, families, medical professionals, other professionals. Yeah. Like, it's not so, it's not something I, I'm saying, like, it's your responsibility to bootstrap yeah. yourself and fix for yourself. Sure, for like, sure, yeah. of course not. But it's one of those things where it's like, there may be a functional difference, or not functional, like, mm-hmm. a formative difference between I punched you in the face because I'm a dick and... I punched you in the face because I was having a psychotic break kind of exactly. thing. Exactly. But at the end of the day, the person was still punched in the face. Yes, by the same person. And it's one of those things where it's just like, no, they're not the same thing. No. But at the same time, the, the outcome, outcome was, and the impact. was similar for the person on the receiving end. Exactly. And then there still needs to be some kind of amends made. Mm-hmm. there so like i yeah i think that the well i guess this might be a good segue into our next movie <laughs> um but i feel like that goes a lot of the way with the big main character of a movie that tackles similar themes in what i thought was a much more enjoyable way yes um we watched ingrid goes west also from 2017 yeah we're on a theme this this episode yep uh holy shit i love this <laughs> i love this movie. one Oh, this was one where I felt like the way they played mental illness was heartbreaking, but yes. really good. Like, yes. I, I liked how they they played it in a like, uh, especially towards the end when the character says, I know something's wrong with me. I don't know how to fix it kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It's like that rung so true. Right. And it's one of those things where it's like, I have so much empathy for her. But at the same time, she's just been doing such awful things. Yeah. And they've a lot of them have been hilarious and just like yeah. painfully cringe worthy to watch. Yeah. So very entertaining. I will say she's but. probably the least awful of just about any of the characters because like you know we're not straying into straight up murder in this one. <laughs> this is true. Um, it's one of those things where it it almost plays like a comedy of errors yeah. kind of thing. Uh, I feel like. The, the thing that kind of maybe mitigates her awfulness is that she's surrounded by people who are also awful in a lot of ways. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, And I think that's, that's part of the comment, like the social right. media comment. Yeah. So Ingrid, played by the incomparable Aubrey Plaza, mm-hmm. it has just been released from a stint in the mental ward right. after attacking a social media influencer at her wedding. 
And I love how we find that out as, towards the end of the movie because, like, it's played up like they were friends. Yeah. And, and it turns out, no, she just commented on one of her photos one yeah. time or something. And yeah. she's like, I didn't even know you. But, yeah, like, the movie starts out with her, like, fucking throwing a drink at her and be like, thanks for inviting me, you cunt! Like, and, and then she pepper sprays her. That was it, yeah. yeah. And I was just like, this, this movie starts out strong. Like, yeah. it's like, hello, we are here and we have begun. Yeah. And so she's out. Um, her mother has recently passed away and left her an inheritance of, you know, over 60 grand. Mm-hmm. And she, so she's at home. She look, opens a magazine and finds an article on your new girl crush, Taylor Sloan. Yep. And looks her up on Instagram, immediate follow. And leading up to this, she is terminally online. She is constantly on Instagram, scrolling, liking every picture. Yep. She scrolls past, like, like it's like she is plugged the fuck in. Mm-hmm. And so she finds Taylor and starts like looking at her gram and starts single white femaleing her. Ingrid goes west to Los Angeles, California, Venice Beach, mm-hmm. and like rents the first place she finds. Goes to Taylor's favorite restaurant to get some avocado toast. No, wait, no. What does she get? It's like because she goes there for the avocado toast, but then gets whatever Taylor had most recently, which was some kind of like cauliflower samosa or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's so LA. Yeah, I say that. Oh, I was I was about to say I say that having never been. It's like no, I've been to Santa Ana. It's very sort of like what we think of like as far as uh, social media influencers and health vloggers versions of LA. Like, yeah, like that all over. Like you walk in, you know, you're in this open concept light restaurant, and the waiter comes up and goes like, "What's your deep seated trauma or yeah. shame?" That's her question. That's of our the day. question of the day, and there's like, "No, thank you." Okay, what would you like to order? Like, it's like what Portlandia is to Portland. What like everything is to, is to LA. LA. Yeah. <laughs> Your expectations are just completely fulfilled. Right. And so she's out and about. She's getting her hair done at the same place. And oh, she ran into Taylor in person and makes an ass out of herself. Follows her home. Figures out where she lives. Kidnaps her dog. Yeah, that was... Okay, that was something that was just, (laughs) like, showing how you can use social media to just fucking stalk someone completely. Yes. Like, because she's following an influencer who basically is living a version of her life mm-hmm. online. And so she just uses that. She knows the like, dog's name. and It's can like, coax. I already know her likes. I know her dislikes. I know I'm in a perfect position to manipulate this person. Exactly. And it's not even to manipulate her to get, like, money or, mm-hmm. you know, something like that. It's to get validation. Yeah. And to get, to get her to a like sense her. of belonging yeah. and friendship. Yeah. And, oh, Jesus, these people are kind of insufferable, aren't they? Just a little. Yeah. Uh, it's played that way. Like, it's definitely yes. played for laughs, too. Like, oh, I, yeah. I'm thinking of, um, oh, fuck, what's his name? Kurt Russell's son plays him. But, like, uh, the boyfriend. <laughs> uh, Ezra. Yeah, Ezra being this artist where he does found art where he gets paintings from, like, garage sales and then just, like, stencils on phrases like hashtag squad goals and, and stuff shit, like that. Yeah. And then sells them for $1,200 or rather prices them at $1,200. Yes. Not so successful on the sales. No, until Ingrid comes along, of course. hmm Oh, my God. Yeah. This movie is a wild ride. Yeah, fuck. <laughs> um, but this is interesting because it shows someone whose entire identity mm-hmm. is constructed through social media. Mm-hmm. Like, that is the entirety of how Ingrid relates to the world. Mm-hmm. Like, anytime we see her out doing normal, normal things, like she's at the grocery store or whatever, she just looks so out of her element. And, you know, people are, like, 
see her it's like oh my god look who i just saw at the grocery store i heard she was in a mental institution i was like she's so alienated from the real world Mm -hmm. that social media world is like all she has yeah like you said she goes and gets uh the her hair done at the same place that uh taylor does on social mentions on social media goes for lunch at the same place buys the same bag that Mm -hmm. she's buying and stuff like there's even that point where she goes to meet her it's like oh look at that you've got the same bag haha twinsies yeah who'd guess there's also a comment on being an influencer like she's Mm -hmm. going through her inheritance in no time just trying to play keep up yeah like it's just like oh this is so cute you should buy it just some wall decoration it's like twelve hundred dollars like okay taylor said i should get it so i better get it yeah and this isn't far from reality i've seen news articles talking about people who have attempted to like become influencers and are like you know in the 10 grand plus digits of debt yeah trying you know to have everything instagram worthy Mm -hmm. and it's outrageous yeah it's um not a sustainable lifestyle certainly not no it's this like I don't I mean, don't get me wrong. The idea of being able to, like, oh, being, like, a travel influencer or something. You just get to, like, be paid to travel around photographing beautiful places. That sounds dope. Yeah. But it's this, like, mass, like, I don't know, it's conspicuous consumption on fucking overdrive. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And it's just, like, ay ay ay. Your whole brand is consuming conspicuously. Exactly. That's, that's it. Exactly. Yeah. And not really having to pay to do so, but trying to convince people who would be paying to, to do what you're doing. Yeah. And they're succeeding, clearly. Yeah. It's, um, I know that that's, like, a, a big thing where it's, like, make, as that's what she says she does. She's like, oh, I'll post products by brands. Mm-hmm. And that's how she gets money. Yeah. Kind of thing. Like, that's how she pays for her influencer lifestyle. Um, but she's kind of a mess besides that. Like, you know, it's just they, they are just driving around Joshua Tree doing coke Cocaine. and crashing cars. Yeah. And uh, she's so flippant about it. Like, when she totals the car, she's just like, just say it was an accident. It's fine. <laughs> He'll be fine. Her brother Ugh. is, like, another great example of that was perfect casting for, like, the douchiest, smarmiest, fucking douche-ass <sighs> smarm boy yeah. I've ever seen. Yeah. I hate that guy. I hate him. I hate yeah. him so much. So this all starts to unravel, though, mm-hmm. because since she is perpetually online, as soon as the shitty brother... So this is as, since phone. since Ingrid is perpetually aligned, Taylor's shitty brother. Yes, she's reusing a lot of you. she's yes, here. Yes, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Um, manages to get her phone and then sees all the like notes in her phone that are just like lists of like how to single white female Taylor, mm-hmm. basically. And it blows up in her face because, of course, what he does is he's like, "I won't tell her this if you pay me five thousand dollars a month." Mm-hmm. Now, you so. can rent your phone from me, and and don't worry about deleting everything. I already forwarded the good stuff to myself. Oh, he's such a tool. Mm. And then, of course, you know, um, we started to learn that Ingrid is somewhat unbalanced. Like, she went and pepper sprayed someone for not inviting her to her wedding. Yes. Kind of thing. So her plan is to hire teens to punch her in the face so she could convince her landlord that her brother did it. So they can go and kidnap him and drag him out to the desert. And threaten him and say, don't fuck with Ingrid. Yeah. Totally not obvious who's orchestrating no. this. Olga, is that you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. I felt so fucking bad for her in this one. Like, it's weird because she's doing, like, 
like if someone stalked me like that, I yeah. would feel totally betrayed and my boundaries all fucked forever, right? Mm-hmm. But unlike like me, I actually feel sorry for her when it blows up in her face. And part of that is because of I don't know why that is. Like because there's actual character one? development there. Yeah, fair maybe enough. for one. Yeah. <laughs> but there there is something going on that um, and she actually acts human. Yeah, in a, in some ways, like like that part we talked about where she's saying like I, there's something wrong with me and I don't know how to fix yeah. it and I don't like. You really get the sense of this, like, yeah, there's this fucking, like, gnawing void inside of yeah. me, and I've been trying to fill it. Yeah. And it's not happening, and I'm just hurting people around me. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, that's, fuck, that's that's rough. Yeah. Whereas, like, oh, I'm just going around and, like, fucking convincing a guy he's getting robbed at gunpoint while shoving my camera in his face for the lulls is, like, yeah. fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> That's, so, a, that's a very good point. Yeah, I know there's actual character developments of just like, I'm Kaya, who's terminally online, versus I'm Ingrid, who has <laughs> like... terminally online. Who's terminally online, but also has like human characteristics and qualities. Yeah. See how you really feel. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's one of those things with this one where I, I feel like as there's been a proliferation with social media... Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm more exposed to how many people do deal with mental illness. Oh and yeah, all that that's stuff. Fair. Like it's it's one of those things where I think there is a connection there. Just like anything, you social media will open you up to. Like, for example, imagine all the earlier wars pre-Vietnam. If they had the media that Vietnam would have, mm-hmm. would we have had the same kind of thing? Like you know, looking at like the war machine through this lens of social media totally changes the perception. Changes the perception, but it doesn't seem to change the outcome. <laughs> Which is very depressing. Yeah. But I mean, it's an awareness thing, right? Yeah. So I'm wondering, you know, it's one of those things where people are just saying, like, oh, so many more people are, are mentally ill, it's just a fad now, and everyone's jumping on the bandwagon and all that stuff. And it's like, or maybe we're just hearing about it because these people can actually connect. And and also because there's language for it. It's not just like, oh, she's fucking hysterical and needs yeah. to be, like... Lobotomized. Exactly. It's like, yeah. oh no, we know of things now called like depression and PTSD yeah. and autism and all these things that like were just like, oh, it's a it's a defective kid, better leave them to die of exposure. Yeah. And now it's like, oh, it actually has a name and there's like ways we don't have to just fucking kill them. We can yeah. or don't feel the need to do that. We can actually like be pro social and accommodate them and include them. But but for the way that they use social media in this and the way that the mental illness is constructed, Mm -hmm. it feels like this is taking a realistic tact on the quote-unquote crazy stalker kind of thing. Yeah! Because you get the Hollywood crazy stalker for a long time and it's just like the Hollywood version of mental illness and it's an Mm -hmm. aberration, it's an outlier... Whereas it's someone who's like, no, they're they're dealing with issues that maybe are more common than we believe and are more realistically constructed than your typical Hollywood, again, in quotes, crazy person. Well, because Hollywood seems really stuck on the more, like, antisocial personality Mm -hmm. traits, whereas this seems more like a, like we were talking about, almost like borderline personality traits, which there is certainly, like, a gender difference in terms of like percentages of presentation right where i've even seen some hypothesize that like antisocial personality is the more you know quote-unquote male presentation or more commonly interesting and which is much more externalized whereas the borderline traits are far more often in you know female people than males 
and also a lot there's a lot more internalization happening right. like there okay. can be externalization of like anger and like mm-hmm. you know absolute rage attack at somebody but there's a lot of internalization of self-harm unstable identity like right. this self you know loathing all these things that can be a part of that mm-hmm. and so in this case like yeah when it's the antisocial and there's you know, we assume if we're going off of that, that they're incapable of like feeling empathy or whatever. And you're like, oh yeah, that's kind of, seems kind of monstrous. Mm -hmm. Whereas with this kind of more presentation, like the Ingrid, it's like, oh no, she feels things and she hates herself. And there's real, there's something a lot more with a lot more sympathetic potential there. Mm -hmm. I would think. No, that, that makes a lot of sense. And Mm -hmm. uh, I will say that like, this isn't a horror movie, but it's a very refreshing take on using that kind of trope in a modern way. Yeah. And in a more like nuanced way and just in a more realistic, I would say even way potentially. Because, I mean, stalkers are out there who will do that shit for, not because they feel empty, but because they, for whatever reason, they fucking want to hurt somebody. Yeah, they feel possessive. They it, feel, exactly. Yeah. Whereas, I mean, Ingrid, there's some, like, possession-y type oh, absolutely, stuff there, yeah. absolutely. But when it doesn't it go well... self-validation. Yeah, it, it reflects that. more on herself than on the other person, mm-hmm. is how she interprets it. That she's not good enough. Yeah. Not that this other person is giving someone else attention, therefore I need to destroy her. Right. It's like, oh no, I'm not good enough. I need to change myself further. I need to like collapse my identity into hers even more somehow. Right. And yeah, those are two very different kinds of people, presentations, storylines. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like we kept alluding to single white female. And mm-hmm. it's like that right there is a very almost antiquated take mm-hmm. on that sort of character type compared to say what we get in this movie. Yeah. Like, you know, similar kind of idea at work, but, yeah, you know, different different ways to approach it. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you know, I get why horror movies in Hollywood <laughs> does mental illness the way it does. Yes. But I also get why that's harmful as fuck. Yes. <laughs> so, you know, like, I will never get tired of seeing, like, crazy people in movies. Like, you know, it's like, oh, right? they're, they're a psychotic murderer. They're, they're, they've lost their mind. They're going after us in a delusional rage. And it's like... That's a great when you look at it as a fantasy constructed storyline. Sure. But when you're the, the second Hollywood is just like because all that stuff informs how the general populace looks at people, and that's where the danger lies. And that's right? yeah, you assume that all mental mentally ill people are going to be violent when in fact people with mental illness are far more likely to have violence enacted upon them. Right. Yeah. Especially by the system. Mm-hmm. Of policing and institutionalization and all of these things than they are to ever be violent towards somebody else. Right. But that gets erased in all of that because the crazy psychotic murderer. Yeah. It's a really good movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was, it it was, was nice to rewatch. Yeah, I was just going to say that. Yeah. It, was, it was fun to get back to it. Mm-hmm. Cool. And last but not least, definitely not least, no. we uh, have Tragedy Girls. This movie is so fucking good. <laughs> I think this is a revisit for us because we would have talked about this in the Dirtbag Diva episode. We did. Yeah. Yes, we did. We did. Way early on. Yeah. Um, I heard about Like Me because of this movie. Right. For example. Same kind of idea yeah. of let's do horrible things mm-hmm. to um, get social media cred. Yeah. Kind of thing. However, this one's a bit different in the tact in that it's not one person trying to anonymously commit crimes and then like i'm anonymous online doing these awful things Mm -hmm. it's um people they're anonymously doing it but they're trying to frame a serial killer 
as the killer, and then they are playing themselves as innocent bystanders, even though they're anything but. Yes. I love the friendship in this. It's so good. It's so good. It's, uh, like I've, I've mentioned before on this one, seeing sort of, like, really strong female friendships, just my bread and butter, and... Oh, so good. Much like with Assassination Nation, which had that, uh, mm-hmm. we get the high school camaraderie between these two mm-hmm. really strong, and it makes them so likable, because they're both likable characters, they're very charismatic, but then how they play off each other as well. Mm-hmm. Um, they scheme. Yeah, and this is a much more horror movie than uh, pretty much anything we watched. Like, this is probably yeah. the most horror horror movie of the bunch, while still, I would say. still being very comedic. Mm-hmm. And this one also has a lot of like callbacks and homages to yeah. horror movies like Cannibal Holocaust, like yeah. Final Destination. I was not expecting a Cannibal Holocaust right? reference. That was, like, kind of like shook <laughs> me a little. Um, yeah. I, I love the little run on Dario Argento. <laughs> you want to come over and watch a Dario Argento movie? Who? Mario Wario? <laughs> Dario, Dario or Pedro? Mario Wario. I don't care. Later. Bizees. <laughs> No, but this is another one where it's the it goes a lot with it reminded me of YouTube challenges where it's just like <laughs> the more extreme yeah you can pull off to get online cred the better but it's more that they're pulling these things off in the real world to then talk about them online yes because as opposed to the spectacle being the only thing online. exactly because the tragedy girls is their blog yeah is their website where they're essentially like true crime types. And that's just it. This comes around to the proliferation of true crime stuff, which I know is very contentious. (laughs) I tried to get on that train, managed for about a month before I was like, like, no. Nope. This just feels gross. Yeah. This just feels gross and exploitative. And I know that a lot of true crime fans will talk about why it is and all that stuff, but I don't know. I can't get past the. Real suffering for entertainment. And that's that's just it. It's like, you know, I I will be the first to admit that as a teenager, I was totally on the whole, like, oh, yeah, like, I know all the serial killer knowledge yeah. and, like, all that shit. I, well, I've mentioned on here many, many times, I, like, grew up on CSI and, right. The, like, right when those um, crime shows pl- and the forensic shows specifically, like, mm-hmm. proliferated. So I was very much into that. And I don't know, there's something about the way it's morphed into it now that it's just like, it really leaves a bad taste in my mouth. There, there's just too much joy. And there I, really I is. Like, it'd be one thing if it was uh, as sterile as they pretend to be with it. But sure. there's so much rubbernecking to it that it just... It... There is. And it's just this, like, consum- it's this weird fucking, like, grief voyeurism. Yeah. Consumption of other people's trauma. And not just consumption of it, but specifically, like, taking it, reveling in it, and turning it into consumable sound bites to then profit off of. Yeah. It's just, it's so cynical and so just, like, the worst, like, darkest underbelly of, like, capitalism. Cynical's a very good word for it. Yeah, it's it's just, it's, like, cynicism distilled, but then in, like, a happy, funny, sexy lens. Yeah. Or, like... Lens isn't the right word, more of a facade. Yeah, I would for sure. Say, yeah. Because just as much as there is like a huge like 
glut of these true crime podcasts, there's also these true crime documentaries coming up on Netflix every single month. Right. Like, the one that just dropped that people are talking about, it's about, like, Luca Magnata and all that. Oh, really? It just came out. Everyone's talking about it. Oh. Um, I have no desire to watch it. I, I'll admit I'm curious. That dude was fucking I'll especially weird. have no desire to watch it because the first part of the three is all about the animal abuse stuff he did, and they oh, show it. Oh, no. Okay, see, I'm more interested in, like, the stint in gay porn and, yeah. like, the creating many accounts online to talk about his crimes about himself before he even committed the like i I shouldn't say like (laughs) i haven't seen it and my understanding is they don't fully show it but but it sounds like they show enough that it's like i don't need this yeah i don't need yeah no i need to watch someone killing cats like Mm -mm. i'd rather just hug my cats and enjoy wholesome moments I had a client recently tell me I should watch a documentary. It was called. It's on. It's another Netflix documentary. Apparently, it's called "Don't Fuck with Cats." That's the one. That's the one. That's the one. Uh, I was just wondering. Okay, she was like, "Yeah, it was really good, but it was kind of hard to watch." But it's it's really good. It's really well done and stuff. And I was like, "Oh, okay." I was like, "I will be snuggling my cats the whole time if I watch it." My understanding with it is that Magnata was entirely like doing it for the fame. Oh like, yeah, he, yeah. He is the character from these movies, but real life. Yes. Kind of thing. Absolutely. And this documentary is kind of granting him that fame. Right. But my understanding is at the end of the movie, they point to it and be like, so what are you doing watching this documentary? And I feel like double fingers. What are you doing making? This I was about to say, what the fuck are you doing making like, this documentary? Pretend- Netflix. What the fuck are you yeah. doing funding and purchasing I'm this documentary? Say- I'm saying this with both my middle fingers <laughs> flailing around in the air in case you, you can't hear them. You don't get to have that gotcha moment when no, you are the person. It's like a sting operation of gotcha moments. Right. You know? it's it's like, like you have created no. this, this, experience you yeah. don't get to have that gotcha right like you created the product to be consumed you don't get to shake your fist at the consumer and if you say that it's like it's well, because profiting i'm from just it. giving the people what they want therefore you are just a capitalist and i'm still keeping the fingers up at you well yeah you're just being a oh the more the market is morally neutral it's amoral it's like you're a fucking asshole, piece of shit, douche sucker, and like you're the, fuck you're you. the same person who doesn't see a problem with any tech for ice. You know, you're just totally. like, yeah, yeah, oh well, if, if I don't do it, somebody's gonna do it. It's like, so you're okay being that person? Like, if you really believe this, then you should also be on board for saying fuck you to the person who does it. Like, if I don't enact in <laughs> eugenics, someone's going. Someone's to. going to. So I better do it, so I can do it a nice way. Yeah. Uh, and the, uh, less. This is harm reduction. You see, mm-hmm. it was inevitably going to happen. Yeah. Fuck you. Yeah. So that's where we stand on true crimeness, and it's funny that we dig tragedy girls so much because they are just exploiting the fuck out of them. And they're not even shy about it. They don't try to do the whole, like, oh, no, it's clinical. It's just, like, a morbid fascination. They're just like, oh, my God, somebody else died? Oh, wow, let's, like, get me. I want to be on the news, please. Yeah, but then like, there is still the performative grief, which yes. is such a huge part of it where it's just, like, they will always do disclaimers of, like, this is such a horrible thing that happened. This is so awful. I feel so bad for it. And then they continue to feel bad for it every time they go back to that well. Yeah. No, there's some, maybe there's something, the reason we like them is because they're so transparently, like... Gross. Gross. Whereas they don't try to pretend to be something and they're not. No, because <laughs> And they, at least you can appreciate that. They are little, literal serial killers. Yes. They just hide under the guise of being true crime dev- devotees. Exactly. It's like they've taken that next step. <laughs> <laughs> That's how, that's how you know they're, they're true, true crime devotees. Yeah, it's true with a V. True crime. <laughs> <laughs> true crime. True crime. <laughs> um, 
true cult. You had mentioned when I mentioned that I wanted to talk about this as far as true crime goes. You mentioned wanting to bring up Halloween. Oh yeah, just that. Um, yeah, Halloween two K eighteen. How at the beginning they bring? I think they do. I still think it was such a great job where they ha- they bring in the fucking true pi- crime pride. They true. bring in the fucking true crime podcasters yeah. and how they are doing exactly that. They're trying to be like, oh, well, you know, we're, we're very, like, we have all these accolades. We're documentarians. We actually helped reopen and solve a crime. And then they go in and just, like, it's like, you know, Lori opens up her home to them for money, which, hey, I get it. Like, she was smart about so. it, at least. And then they just immediately, like, this entitlement to all of her, like, life's trauma yeah. and stuff that, like... They, they're entitled to it and they just start, like, it, it, it'd be I don't know, akin to, like, going over to someone's house and just, like, pulling everything out and trashing yeah. the place. You know what I mean? Like, it's like they're taking something so intimate and so personal and they're just, like, be like, oh, don't mind, don't mind me. I'm just going to take some of that here and, like, show it to everybody mm. and f- flail it around. Like, it's not something that's, like, horrifying and personal and all of these things and that instead it's just this public material for consumption and right. profit profitization and or monetization and it's it's so gross oh it's and so and i thought that was just so on point because me i mean i guess i I wasn't super involved in the sort of like contemporary true crime especially the more podcasty stuff but like i think that conversation was just i it had only recently come onto my radar right probably within a couple of months of that movie coming out so it seemed very like the timing was really great. Yeah, for sure. It. it not only seemed super on point, but it was also like, how well-timed? How, I, how did that work out so nicely? I think of the scene when they go to visit Judith Meyer's grave. Mm-hmm. And they start recording, and they just get into pornographic detail about how she was murdered. Yeah. Kind of thing. And it's like, that is where the, the, the rub of grossness of true crime comes in for me because like I think yeah. of one of my favorite documentaries ever made is The Killing of America. Right. It is awful. It is so hard to sit through. It is difficult watch. It shows actual crime footage and stuff mm-hmm. like that. It is but it it doesn't feel like it's masturbating over it. It doesn't right. feel like it's fetishizing it. It doesn't feel like it's trying to glamorize it. Yeah, it sounds like it's like, well, hey guys, this is really fucked up. Like, like if anything, I think seeing it now, it's like they like with the re-release that Seven Films did out. It's more right. saying like it's a problem that this film's contemporary. Right. This yeah. was a problem thirty years ago. The fact that this film is still contemporary to us is a big fucking like that is a yeah. warning sign, you know? Yeah. And it just feels different. Like mm-hmm. it's. Like, I would say, compare it to, say, Faces of Death, were Faces of Death completely real, that would be kind of like comparing it to the po- podcasts today, mm-hmm. where it's like, you really are relishing in the misery and the, yeah. the gratuitousness. Of course, with Faces of Death, like, I think we need to do an episode on that. Yeah, I think so. Because A, it's a video nasty, and B, it was forged. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But no, this is like some pigs fucking, like, reveling and rolling around in the filth of other people's misery and trauma, uh-huh. and just like fucking masturbating to it like it's so great like you cannot say that's clinical there's nothing clinical about that you're deriving blatant pleasure from it and and it's a privilege thing too it really is like i think i'm just like that seems like just really shameful i think it's (laughs) great the way they play it in halloween where we've got these two well-to-do white documentarians describing in pornographic across the atlantic about how like 
someone was viciously murdered, and we see the black woman who led them there just rolling her eyes yeah, she's at like, Are these you like, fucking, fucking like, me? gross people. And it's just like, if that ain't the privilege dynamic at work right there <laughs> of being able to sit back and enjoy mm-hmm. true crime, um, when, you know, like, the people that were victimized... They are often not people that were in these positions. Yeah. Like, you know, like, how many serial killers that get profiled were targeting sex workers? Yeah. Um, you know, how many times do you hear those cases where it's like, oh, they were after gay men in the Leather Bar District. They were after, like, trans people. They were after people of color. They, they were, were after, specifically, indigenous sex workers in Canada. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah that's a big one here. So, like, yeah. it is so much a position of privilege to be able to just sit back and... To be just voyeur of crime as opposed to living in constant fear of it. Yeah. Yeah. So, that was our TED Talk on <laughs> true crime. Um, don't worry, in the future I do want to do a true crime slime time episode where we'll watch movies like My Friend Dahmer and all that kind yes. of stuff. Because we're not above our own criticism. Hell no. That said, um, fuck. That said, we're, we also, we've also, like, grown up since high school. Yes. Lucky for us. Mm-hmm. We'll give ourselves credit where credit is, I feel, is due for that. Yeah, the days of looking at crimelibrary.com at (laughs) one in the morning are well behind me. Yeah. Maybe because some of that knowledge is burned into my psyche. Yeah. But I just remember, fuck, I just remember, um, I think I mentioned on here how, yeah, yeah, when we were talking about Black Christmas and stuff and uh, Olivia Hussey and I mentioned how I had to watch the, um the Polanski version of Macbeth in, yeah. like, grade 11. It was so fun. I just, because, you know, I having having some true crime knowledge always tucked in the back of my mind. I remember um, my, pro, or my prof, I always do that now, my teacher asking me, like, oh, yeah, does anyone know anything about Roman Polanski? What about Shannon Tate? Or Sharon, fuck, Sharon. Sharon what Tate. A, yeah. What about Sharon Tate? And I was just, like, you know, hand shot off, and they're like, yeah, what, do you know what happened to her? I'm like, Tate love Bianca murders! And just like, blah, 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 and... and <laughs> That's hardcore when you're not just saying Manson, but you straight up say Tate LaBianca. I know. It's like, oh, you are. Yeah. I'm like, what's what's the equivalent of terminally online for that? It reminds me of your story of when your professor was like, has anyone heard of Pasolini? And you're like, oh, me, me, me. What have you heard? Salo, mio, Dios. That was in Spanish class. What? You said mio, Dios. No, it was. It I'm was, a bad it was like, ma- No, no, no. It was Mamma Mia, un filmato controverso. And then my friend beside me is writing down the title, and I'm like, "Don't watch that movie." <laughs> I'm like, "Please, <laughs> don't, don't watch it." <laughs> Just don't do it. That's don't. another one we'll have to cover on the podcast. Absolutely, that one is another very like gets accused of being like grossly like, "Oh, sex." You know, you're you're making sex crime seem like. You're showing them, and it's like, yeah, and he's doing it as an illusion for, like, capitalism and fascism, so there's more to it. Yeah, we need to do an episode about fascism. Yeah, it's a good doctor on as a guest. Oh, yeah. Oh, shit, that's a great idea. (laughs) Yep. Let's Um, call it l'unico fascista buono in fascista morto. I love it. Okay, well, I think that'll do it for us before we just keep going on tangents and tangents and tangents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Tragedy Girls is a fucking, uh, despite our little, like, run against true crime, <laughs> Tragedy Girls is a hilarious movie. It's it, excellent. It's all of the our complaints made transparent and good Well, it's a scene like a fun horror comedy yes, at the same time. Yes, if you're a horror fan, if, you have, if you're familiar with, you know, a lot of sort of classic horror, you'll see some great... Little like homages, set pieces, mm-hmm. and things that you're like, oh my god, they just got Final Destination! Holy yeah. shit! And you know stuff like that. That it's it's super fun. Yeah, 
it, you can you can it's a good movie in general but also for like as like a horror appreciator yeah yeah you you can tell that the people that made this were horror they fans. really love yeah. horror yeah exactly yeah, absolutely oh shit well good good week for the most part i think for me it was Pretty three solid. hits and a mix and for you it seems like it was three hits and a miss yes i guess i cool yes um cool 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 all right so recommendation time yes you want to go ahead Sure. So, um, this was one that we thought of, we've already covered it in pretty deep, you know, recent, reasonably in depth. So we aren't covering it again this episode, but we almost, we thought about it. We considered it yeah. is, um, 2018's cam mm-hmm. where, you know, if you consider, if you're willing to stretch slightly and consider websites like Chatterbait and my free vid, or my free cams and stuff as social media sites, yeah. then this definitely fits in. And, and absolutely. It has the dynamic. It does. Sure. And insofar as that, like, um, curating and maintaining an online persona mm. and requiring a certain number of likes to be able to, or, you know, engagement to be able there's to. There's like direct rankings. There is. Yeah. One. There's yeah. the literal ranking number rankings. Yeah. Not just in terms of um, being able to say, like, oh, I got, like, a thousand likes or a thousand views. It's, like, you see that also how that, in the number ranking, yeah. ranks next to other people. And yeah. there's there's that, like, more direct sense of competition there. But there's mm-hmm. also the stakes of, like, this is how you make money. And yeah. so if you don't get engagement, you don't get paid. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, that one, that one's still, that that's horror. That's a horror movie, and it's, really, it's good. really fucking good. Absolutely love it. Cool. And yeah, that's my recommendation. Cool. My recommendation isn't quite social media, but it has to do with the, uh, in a big part, the anonymity of digital communication mm-hmm. and all that. I'm going to go with Personal Shopper. Okay. Because there's that long run of... Um, the phone. Like the anonymous phone text yeah, exchanges, yeah, yeah. and it's just like that feels... That sort of like communicating trying to do that through these anonymizing kind of thing where you only trust you know who you're talking to or you're not sure who you're talking to um that kind of reminded me a lot of the dynamics at play in like assassination nation with the mm-hmm. anonymous hacker or right and they're um, even like talking over tumblr and stuff yeah where it's like oh i'm gonna expose you whore and like yeah. who the fuck are you and yeah. then not taking it seriously and then realizing it's like oh shit like yeah yeah and I just give them props for doing a movie where it's like, I get to look at Case Stu playing with her phone and I'm in Rapture. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't take much. No, 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 no. <laughs> um, thanks again for tuning in. Mm-hmm. As tuning always. In as if we're on the radio. Um, I don't really have much else. You know, social media engagement's been pretty solid. Um, for what little, for what can... little we put out there, we've been getting a good, good lot back, which is really nice. Mm-hmm. Um, giant shout out to all the people who have stuck with us and are still shouting out our show and like, like our, uh, like and our who show. like me. Yes, those of you who like me, thank <laughs> you. Yeah, maybe this is just a sign that we need to be more perpetually online. We need to just live for validation of our podcast. <laughs> Through the internet. Uh, <laughs> I see the disappointment on yeah, your face. Yeah, I'm like, I'm trying to move away from that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's understandable. Yeah. I think that's a good one. No, I mean, I even had that, that week where my, my phone bricked, and so for a week I just, like, didn't download Twitter or Instagram and stuff, and it was actually pretty great. It was a liberating feeling. It was. Yeah. Get rid of the digital tether, man. 
For real, though. Yeah, for real, though. <laughs> Just kidding, I can't. All right, well, thanks for tuning in. And until next time, take it easy and keep it sleazy. Thank you.